This is the Movie Reel. We bring you a rotating panel of movie enthusiasts for some good, some bad, but always fun movie discussions. Be warned, spoilers are in effect. So grab your favorite movie snacks and sit back while we queue up the cast. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Movie Reel, your best place for movies and entertainment. Uh, We're going to be bringing the next Austin Powers movie today. So we have Austin Powers, uh, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Uh, This movie came out in 1999. Uh, I have a quick synopsis I came up with uh, real quick, like we'll go over. Um, And to do all this with me before we get too far into the show is Heather back again. So just as promised. That's what we discussed. Hello. I'm back. <laughs> so we're going to do the trilogy. we got one more to go and we're going to watch them all and talk about them. So um, one more thing to mention before I get too far in and I did this last episode, I did not make a mention of it, is uh, the movie reel on YouTube. If you go over there and visit uh, our Loud Thumbs YouTube channel, uh, which I'll have links for below in the description of the podcast, you can see uh, we got a different uh, setup now. So we have... A background like i'm just having a little fun with it and it's nothing super super professional but hey we're just chilling in a movie theater talking about movies that's just how it works so go over there and check it out see if you think uh it's good and worth watching and give us some feedback i'd love feedback we all love that here at loud thumbs so um so we're gonna get going here uh my quick synopsis i got on the movie here is austin returns right where he left off only to find his new wife as a robot planted by dr evil Newly single and back in the spy game, Austin has a new sexy partner, Felicity Shagwell. Dr. Evil has a time machine now, and he plans to steal Austin Powers' mojo while he's frozen in the 1960s. So the movie runs uh, an hour and 35 minutes long, so it's a real quick watch based based on today's standards, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most movies now are two and a half to three hours long. Yeah, we have a three-hour Batman movie out, people. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. this is a quick one. You can watch two of the Austin Powers movies in that time frame. Uh, budget on this one here was uh, $33 million, and it brought in $312 million. So that's, uh, that's 10 times its money. That's pretty good. That's, that's doing its job. Um, and speaking of money and just getting into a little bit of our conversation, I wanted to look, I'm a big numbers guy. So if you haven't kind of caught that in, in the shows, I, I think numbers are fascinating and I think they just speak a lot of truth sometimes and just kind of give you a little bit more answers to stuff. So as far as money goes on this, I was curious to see what Mike Myers made for these movies. It's always kind of fun to see how they've progressed, you know, they make more money does he make more money so you know i mean the movies make more money so obviously you assume the actors and the stars would make more money um so this sheds a pretty solid light and i wanted to talk about it real quick at the beginning so mike myers earned and i'm going to talk a little bit before austin powers here he earned a million dollars for wayne's world so that's not bad that was like one of his first like big movies at the time Um, he earned three and a half million dollars for the sequel to Wayne's World. So he tripled his money. Uh, just it showed. I mean, people like Mike Myers. I think Wayne's World really kicked him off. And we talked about that last episode. If you didn't watch mm-hmm. our first Austin Powers one, it really put him on the map, but Austin Powers put him on the globe. 
And then for Austin Powers, he got an, he got another three and a half million dollars for the first movie. And then brace this before I keep going. Take this in mind. He's doing it minimum. He's doing two characters in this movie because he's always Dr. Evil and he's always Austin yeah. Powers. And we're going to talk about more characters that he does in the <laughs> sequels. So remember that he is doing multiple roles. So he three and a half million for the first Austin Powers to do two roles. And he does $7 million in the second movie to play three roles he ends up doing. So they doubled his money and added a role. You know what I mean? So <laughs> that's like working salary at your job. And they're like, uh, you make $10 an hour. And they're like, but well, you're going to work 60 hours a week, but we're only going to pay you for 40. It's like, wait a minute, hold on. Yeah. Shit. That's, you know, that's kind of the way I looked at this. I found that very interesting. He ended up making $25 million for the third movie. So he ended up, you know, breaking out from three and a half million dollars, a character, uh, well, a role, or whatever you want to say there, because the first one he made 1.75 million per character, per Austin, yeah. per Dr. Evil. Yeah. And then it, it was essentially the same, it's a little bit more. He made a little over $2 million per role for Austin Powers 2. But then in the next one, he almost made $10 million a role. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he, he did, he ramped it up and it just goes also, to show them. Yeah. Go ahead. Also, as the movie, I think, got more popular. Like the first movie was kind of like a sleeper hit. Like everybody, you know, he put the movie out and it was great. And then the second one came out. And I think the second one hit a little more with, with audiences. So then by the time the third movie came out, they knew what he was worth. They knew what the movie was going to do. So then they probably were like, let's pay him a little more. Yeah, I think they wanted to keep him around yeah. right yeah that makes makes a lot of sense because the first movie cost 16 and a half million which we talked about and it made 67 million dollars um so it uh quite a bit less than this one i mean this one did mm -hmm. 300 yeah. and some million dollars so it's, <laughs> it's pretty nuts yeah you can see the jump from the first movie to the second movie and how popular it was yeah um and that th that number was wrong i just said sorry uh he it was a budget of 112 million and I think the numbers are all kinds of skewed on the internet for the original Austin Powers movie, to be honest with you, because there's no way in hell the first movie cost $112 million to make. There's no way. So I don't know if one of these numbers is based off of inflation or not. Um, hmm. I'm thinking that it is a combination of all three of the movies, if I have to say so. Um, hmm. So that was that was a correction I needed to make from the first episode of Austin Powers. It didn't make like $670 million. The whole trilogy did. But yeah. the, this movie is, I mean, we'll see as we go, but I, I think this one was probably a, well, one of the biggest bank movies for him. Mm -hmm. Well, for the, the whole franchise. Yeah. So um, getting into the movie a little bit, and we got some fun facts to go over as well. Uh, I, I want to bring more facts to the movie reel and just talk a little bit more about what's happened in the background, something that could have happened and, and so on and so forth, because I think that's just really interesting to talk about as well. Uh, as our favorite parts and you know everything about the movie too so there's a bunch going on in this movie again like the first <laughs> movie had a bunch of little little tiny little uh you know plot points that continued throughout the movie this one has a bunch uh dr evil uh we already discussed there in my synopsis is you know he is trying to steal austin powers mojo but at the same time he's also holding the white house ransom because he's going <laughs> to blow it up from his moon base right <laughs> yeah with his laser laser yes exactly <laughs> air quotes laser yes 
laser. Um, so he has a bunch going on and he's also dealing with Scott and like, you know, leaving him from the first movie. There's that whole bit going on. And then he, him and Frau Farbissina, they have themselves a little mm-hmm. love, you know, uh, fling going on and just a, a bunch of little things going on. Mini me shows up, you know, we have all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot going on with Dr. Evil in this movie. You can definitely tell it's a little more focused toward him than it was the first movie. Like he, it definitely felt that way. Yeah. And then um, Austin, you know, dealing with losing his mojo and thinking that he's not enough for a secret agent partner and dealing with, you know, all of this new angst, you know, he's lost his wife who taught him monogamy and all these kinds of things. Yeah. Swinger world. And then we have new characters in the movie and fat bastard. uh, He's one of, he's the newest, like, you know, big deal. Uh, He's hilarious he is a family favorite that is for yep. sure uh kids aren't allowed to say his name so they just call him nope. the fat guy <laughs> yep <laughs> um but yeah he's a family favorite doing his accent you know oh what i got a crop you know like you know that it's always getting a good laugh and then mini me also introduced into mm-hmm. this movie and you know i think mini me took off for the world because everybody says that now you know when they they have a kid like you know we talk about our children you know like they're they're your mini me you know that sort of thing yeah i don't think that was a thing before austin powers i don't think too. it was either <laughs> i don't think so no it felt like it really uh something clicked with everybody and they're like oh yeah that's the simplest way to put it and it was like mm-hmm. it's funny to look back and think about that because i never remember anything mini me mini anything until this mm-hmm. movie was, I mean, there was mini Snickers and stuff, maybe, but <laughs> yeah, little mini candy bars, but no, right. like mini me terminology. Right. Yeah. Um, so, a question I have for you, Heather, is who out of this movie is the best addition to the Austin Powers to the world overall? Is it mini me or is it fat bastard? That is so hard. Yeah, you gotta gotta I, answer it though. <laughs> I would have to say mini me. Because Mini Me, he is in more than just the second movie. So if you want to think of like the character that adds most to the trilogy, I would have to say that Mini Me. That bastard comes back in the third one. He's not as big of a point, but he's in it. I mean, yeah, he's in it, but he's not like Mini Me is in it, in it. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it would have to be Mini Me because Mini Me is like, he's just another offshoot of Dr. Evil. And the banter that Minnie Me has with Scott and like that whole family dynamic is is great. It, it it's probably that's my favorite. Minnie Me's your favorite. Okay. Yeah, Minnie Me. I thought about this one. You know, I, I'm obviously the one that came up with the question, so I thought about it too. Right. Yes. But it is a hard question, which is why I wanted to ask it because I was curious. Yeah. My logic behind it is that I think without Minnie Me. I think Dr. Evil's character didn't move any further forward. Like his, his character was kind of stuck, but they bring mini me in and he like, he loves mini me, you know, it's like his, it's his boy. He's like, my precious boy. (laughs) You know, he's, he's just, you know, he's my special boy. Take care of him. He's just, he's just in love with this little guy. And then obviously the world falls in love with him too. But I think, Mm -hmm. I think it added dimension to, Dr. Evil's character. As silly as that sounds for just a, a kooky comedy movie, I think it fully added a lot of dimension to Dr. Evil overall uh, with him being in the, the comedy. The jokes were, oh my God, oh, they're, yeah. they're endless, you know, in, in this. <laughs> I mean, there's so much material they could pull from with it being, you know, um, 
him being this one eighth your size and you know all yes. the, all the jokes that come from that are just fantastic and fat bastard hilarious i mean really really great but he didn't really add anything to anybody like you know he didn't he was there as like a as a plot character as to how to steal austin's mojo without dr evil doing it but he didn't really do anything other than add comic relief in a way yeah and, and he was kind of like another bad guy of the movie yeah yeah he was like a the second henchman you know like right yeah. behind dr evil or something but yeah he didn't he didn't add anything to the movie for me and i think i was just trying to think of like a broader reason because mini me took off everywhere like you, you know oh, you, yeah and we still say you know our children are our mini me's now we don't nobody you know says anything about fat bastard anymore it's just no. <laughs> you know he was in these movies and honestly like i forgot that that character was in these movies until it was like oh yeah that's right I, you know the bagpipe starts to play there at the one point and i'm like oh my lord i totally spaced <laughs> that, that bastard made his appearance in this one and mini me you just can't forget him nope and one and thing the, with mini me he he is the the relationship that dr evil wanted with scott like he's he's dr evil's son now like that's the kind of relationship he wanted with his son why he had a, you know a child created yeah. and scott didn't turn out like he wanted so now he has mini me and it's just all uphill from there for him yeah because <laughs> i mean if dr evil loves anybody he loves himself right so why oh, yeah. not a so why not a tiny version of replica. himself <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and you know the fact that mini me doesn't talk is fantastic like he's oh, yeah. completely mute so it's like that adds to it even more because it allows Dr. Evil to have even more dialogue and hilarious moments that can be backed up with just a little smug attitude that mini me can have sometimes, or, you know, the trying to eat the kitty or, you know, trying to bite <laughs> yeah. number two and all yep. those things. So I, I would agree with mini me um, for that reason. I, I, I really enjoy his character because of what he does for Dr. Evil, like Dr. Evil's, he is hilarious oh my god he is so good and he's he's i think probably the funniest character in this whole entire movie like he takes the cake from austin in this one and no oh, doubt yeah. you could tell they focus 100 now my next question and then we'll get into some of our favorite scenes and talking about it is we have in the first movie we had elizabeth hurley playing the love interest now mm -hmm. this movie we have heather graham playing the love interest so out of those two and the performances that they put on like if you if you chose one over the other who would you choose and why i would choose heather graham okay i mean she's smoking hot like she's so much hotter <laughs> agreed um she is basically the female version of austin very true yeah i just feel like she is a better match in the movies like her character than vanessa like if if austin had met heather graham's character felicity in the first movie i think he would have married her and not vanessa right yeah but yeah. i would have to say heather graham i would say so too for a couple of reasons um i think that you kind of said it like her vibe fits the world better like it yes. was it was like um it was almost like Vanessa was like the mom to Austin in the first one. When you compare the two, like right. she was just kind of like 
teaching him the ways of like, you know, the world and going through these things and, you know, like smacking his hand, like, no, you don't do that. You know, like, yeah, uh, you, you don't go have sex with hundreds of women with no you know, protection <laughs> and all these things, you know, <laughs> you can't so you can't, you just can't. Now, the other aspect was she was from the nineties and Heather Graham's character, Felicity is from the sixties, right? So they, they yeah. match up. She is definitely Austin in, in female form because they are the same. She got all of her inspiration from Austin growing up. So she wanted to be a spy. And I just think though, outside of just that point of her character being written differently and being from a different era, I think that Heather Graham embodies this style of character better and acted and just played the role so much better like oh, yes. I think she fit in that aspect of where it was super you know goofy and court I mean she had all of her sexual puns you know like you know Felicity shag well you know by day shag very well by reputation you know that kind right, of stuff right yeah so she was very much Austin and she had all that but the way she delivered her lines and how it all was I think so much better than Elizabeth Hurley. I, I kind of felt like when you watch them back to back, like we've done, you see the dryness in Elizabeth Hurley's character. Yes. Like she, you don't really feel like she does love Austin. Like you, right. as, as you compare them, right? Yeah. Watching the first one, you're like, and then watching the second one and you see how much, you know, Felicity is into Austin and then you look back at Vanessa and you're like, yeah, she just didn't give two craps. Like you just kind of feel like that. And then again, I agree the dryness, you know, from Elizabeth Hurley, like, which I don't know, maybe it's cause she's, she's a British actress, correct? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of dryness there where Heather Graham is an American actress, but I do feel like Heather Graham took the role and really ran with it. Like she yeah. made, fel she was Felicity. Yes, absolutely. I, I feel like, uh, you know, the second movie just ramped everything up better. I think they found better chemistry with everybody. I think the the comedy was better. I mean, the actors, I mean, I, I yeah. think everything was better in the second movie, which which goes to show not only the fact that the first movie was popular and had a lot of, you know, backing behind it. It had like people interested that wanted to do a good job in the movie. Like, I mean, the first movie was yeah. improv a lot and all that kind of stuff, but you know, it, it made a lot of money. And then a lot of people went, wait a minute, like this could be like a really fun thing to do. And I want to get in there and do it. And then when they did, they still, they weren't taking it like super lightly. They were like, this, let's just make this really fun. Let's work together and, you know, have good chemistry and find yeah. the best people for the roles instead of just like kind of a quick thing. Like felt like the first one was kind of quickly put together in a way. Yeah. Like it was a lot of improv, like you said, and you know, it didn't, it wasn't necessarily as seamless or as cohesive as the second one. But the second one is like, they took it a little more seriously. They had better actors and actresses who were more into the roles. And it, excuse me, was more cohesive. Yes. And it, I think it just turned out a better product. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So before we get into some of our fun facts, we're going we're gonna to talk about some of the movie here. And then we'll, we'll go through some fun stuff. So favorite character i've already ruined i've already spoiled that mine mine is definitely <laughs> dr evil like definitely dr evil favorite character in the second movie um he has so many funny scenes man like there's so many to think of like 
making number two cry with the big giant ball globe. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, you know, he's just like the bully on the playground in that scene. It's hilarious. Yeah. You're, you're going to squirt some, you're going to cry. You're going to cry, <laughs> you know, smacking him with the ball in the face. It's just, uh, that's great. And then he shoots the basket in, you know, the ball after the fact. And then yeah, he and he's like, the yeah. basket. he's like pumping his fists after he does it. It's just like he shot it from like five feet away. So it's not even a big deal. <laughs> it's just like that is amazing. Uh, the 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 big one that's a big family favorite. And my daughter absolutely loved when we watched this one together, actually, and had just kind of a, a dad daughter night. And is the scene in the the chair when the robotic chair kind of <laughs> flips out and it's spinning in all directions he has no control over it <laughs> and it finally stops and he's like sick as a dog you know and he's got gonna vomit you know <laughs> that scene is still funny and i i loved it because i forgot about that scene it has been many years since we've seen these movies mm -hmm. and we're like okay the kids are old enough we can you know make sense of all of the questions they're gonna have and all that and why not watch it with their parents you know that's the kind of parents we are we do watch yeah. stuff that's probably above our kids age range but not without being within the realm of understanding that we know our kids can follow right and we want to be able to ask those questions answer those questions but that's a whole nother story yeah and I forgot completely about this scene and we'll watch it again. I mean, I'm laughing hard because it's so funny to watch over again when you kind of forget about it, but there, there's too many to name for me. I could go on and on about all my favorite Dr. Evil scenes, you know, the zippets and the shushes and, you know, yep. uh, that's still you know, mine. You're the Diet Coca evil and the Jerry Springer scene. He's, he's biting me. He's biting me. You know, <laughs> I got your hood. I got your hood. You know that, I mean, that stuff's great. So on to you, Heather. What is uh, what is your favorite character and some of your favorite scenes with them? Um, in this movie particular, it would have to be Mini Me. Like, okay, just his overall. He plays off very well off Doctor Evil, but like, just his attitude towards Scott, like, it is hilarious. You know, Scott is trying to tell his, you know, his dad, like, you're stupid because you know. He wants to ask for all this money and that amount of money is not even exists in, you know, 1969. He calls and him an ass over and over. <laughs> calls him an ass over and over. And then he talks about having a death star and he's just like, rip off. And then you just see <laughs> Minimi is like staring him down. And then, you know, he just Minimi flips him off and just always tries to push the button and, you know, get Scott into the volcano and kill yeah. him basically. So I would have to say Minimi. I feel like Minimi was probably my favorite in this one a close second to dr evil because like you said in this one dr evil is just freaking hilarious yeah. and they just really took the time to develop the character and show that side of him i do have to say one of my favorite parts for dr evil is after he and frau have their little little love scene yeah and you know they're standing there pouring coffee and he's trying to make small talk because they were like you know it, it won't get weird and they're like it got weird and then you know she's like yeah <laughs> and yeah, she's like i'll out. never love another man and he's like i know <laughs> he's like yes that's true that's true <laughs> you know because she's she's into yeah. women she's, she's technically a lesbian wife. i mean she's a lesbian yeah. the whole the whole series and she has sex with dr evil so once and then she's like, an Austin powers mojo <laughs> yeah i'm late yeah and he's like 
Oh, 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 you know. He was like, yeah, no, he was you're, like, you're no, right no, on time. You're right on time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so many good scenes with him. It was fantastic. And frown her super long hair during that sex oh scene. Oh my like, gosh, it's like, yes. How does she roll all that up? You know, it's just <laughs> great pieces of comedy. She has like the biggest mullet ever. Oh yeah, huge. <laughs> and then there was a scene that we just talked about last night that I, in that same scene you're talking about, I had forgot or no, I hadn't actually never noticed is what it was where a Dr. Evil takes his coat off and he's just white Jack, you know, the white shirt underneath. And he actually has like a Glock in the front of his pants. <laughs> I don't think I ever realized that until last night we watched it. I was like, Oh, that's hilarious. Like he's dumping out like one for me, one for my homies, dumping one out drinks from his 40 that he's drinking. And then he does, he does the Glock in the, in the pants. I'm like, that is hilarious. Like he's just a gangster, you know, when he's, <laughs> when he's not in front of all his peeps, you know, his, yeah. his henchman, he's got to be serious. And then he's just gangster yeah. fool in the background. <laughs> I love that little bit of additional comedy, the just visual comedy. Like there was nothing referenced yeah. to it or anything. Nope. It was just great. Same as Frau's hair. It's like, where the hell did that come from? Uh, I love it. So um, some of the fun facts here that I thought were really cool. So the original script for this movie, it was actually called Austin Drinks Azima, Not a Tab. So it was like, Weird. and you know, Azima is a non-alcoholic beer and a tab yeah. is just a pop, right? Right. So I think it was their way of referencing like time difference as well, because like tab is old, Zima's new. But yeah. I also think it was a, a joke at how kids would drink Zima and they'd be like, oh, I'm so wasted. I'm oh, so drunk, yeah. you know? I think it was something along those lines too, because of just how silly the movie could be. It's like, well, Austin drinks Azima and now he's a little bit drunk, like he can't handle it or something, <laughs> you know? So I, I thought that was kind of funny. I love, I love the title they chose instead. And yes. there's actually a little bit about that I wanted to talk about with the spy who shagged me. So, uh, and I just, I just pulled this off of a website here that was just some fun facts, but it says as as is often the case, the title for the film was changed in different countries. So with some of them being humorously much more or much less dirty than the original title. So it says, most notably, the title of the film in Singapore was briefly changed to Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shoiked Me. It says, which basically means The Spy Who Made Me Feel Good. Now okay. that's that's less dirty. That's, oh, made yeah, me that's good, right? very tame. Yeah. And it says while Norway's title for the film translated to Austin Powers, the spy who ejaculated on me. So okay. that's a little yeah. bit more that's the other direction. Bit the other direction. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy cow. What the heck? <laughs> I don't know why Norway. they would have yeah, Norway. You naughty, naughty Nor <laughs> you Norwegians naughty, over Norway. there. Woo. <laughs> But I was like, holy cow. I mean, like shagged me, I can I can understand can be taken multiple different ways. Mm -hmm. But it to me, it seems still it was like the most tame option yeah. overall until yeah. I read that. I'm like, whoa, that's uh that's way different. Okay, guys. Yeah, so that was, that was Dang, a fun Norway. Fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, another fun fact is there's a big, a big Starbucks connection in this movie. Mm -hmm. Number number two has bought a <laughs> Starbucks, a small Seattle coffee franchise. Yep that they've become lucratively, you know, yep. rich from. And it's Starbucks, everybody. Go behold, go behold. they're still around <laughs> <Yay>! now. <laughs> and yes, Heather, that, that speaks your language, you and your Starbucks addiction, right? So yep. yeah, it was, uh, it was Starbucks paid nothing for being in this Bayou Shagmi. So 
that's rare. You're typically yeah. going to have to like get paid or pay to have your stuff put in some big feature film. So there must have been something in the background where they worked out a deal where it wasn't like you probably like catered it or something <laughs> i feel like it was like hey like starbucks was taking off i mean it was popular but at this point like starbucks was probably getting too popular too fast and i think yeah. this this was like an influx of it too and then you know a little starbucks history is they they actually downsized starbucks you would if you don't believe that i mean go look it up but there are less starbucks now than there were 10 years ago because of how oversaturated the market was at Starbucks. Yeah. And they were killing themselves basically. But I, this was kind of in the beginning of all that, like Starbucks was trying to make a name for themselves and grow. And they, I feel like it was just a way for them to go, Hey, let's make more money. Let's just throw it in the movie for it free. In the movie. Yeah. And see what happens. And, you know, yeah. Dr. Evil does his drinking, gets his Belgian dip, his uh, cream all over his cream nose. All over and... his nose. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah I, knew it was I, there. I did on purpose. I knew it was it's, called, it's called a Belgian, Belgian dip. dip. <laughs> Um, and it is also another, this is another Dr. Evil fun fact. It's widely believed that Dr. Evil's based off of Lauren Michaels, which <laughs> for everybody, it makes sense if you think about it, but for everybody yeah. who doesn't know who Lauren Michaels is out there listening, that is the creator of Saturday Night Live. Like he has <laughs> full control of all the skits and who does what, and you know, he's a yep. big major, major dude over there. So you can see that Michael Myers or Mike Myers, Michael Myers, whatever Mike Myers was <laughs> on saturday night live for several years so it makes sense for him to you know kind of be like probably not in the best terms all the time with your boss a lot of people usually aren't uh and use that as a you know kind of their muse to make a freaking hilarious character oh yeah and i think they did a lot of it just to make fun of him oh like, sure yeah you know what I, mean? I think yeah. it was a poke fun i don't think they hate oh, yeah. each other or anything like no, that I think no if if this is true which it totally makes sense i i would assume that Lawrence is more flattered than anything you know oh yeah what was he saying as something about it's the biggest form of flattery right oh impersonation or something something yes. like that they say yes impersonation is the biggest form of flattery um we already talked about one of the other fun facts was that most of the first film and part of this film was just improvised stuff which is kind of mm -hmm. cool um we did talk some some fat bastard stuff so we didn't talk a ton about him but it took mike myers seven hours to get into the makeup and the fat suit for that character dang that is seven a long hours. time that's that a work a day time. for most people it is yeah no thanks it, it, it's still an amazing fact at movies in general like if you think I know Guardians of the Galaxy, for instance, Gamora, like it's 10 to 13 hours plus, I believe, for her to get in her suit. Same with Nebula, like to be made into the character. So if you think about it, that's crazy. Like you spend all that time getting into makeup and then shoot for what, like five hours? So you spend hope most of the day. Longer, or they make it to I where they can so sleep too. in it. Yeah, you know, something. But it's just, it's crazy to think that it takes that long sometimes for people to transform into these characters. Yeah. Well, I know um, I've, I've done plenty of research and everything on these movies, even before doing the movie reel, because mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, that's my yeah. brain. That's my movie buff side and stuff. But I know that Mike Myers kind of embodied the fat bastard character while on set as well. And <laughs> I, they, they say that it was partially, it was like a coping mechanism because of how terrible this suit was and you know the makeup and everything so he was in character all the time even like when they were on breaks and everything he's still going around like giving people shit you know in the scottish accent and just 
just being fat bastard. bastard. So that would be kind of hard to deal with if you weren't, yeah. you know, uh, on his good side, I guess. Cause he, yeah. he's a big dick in the movie. Like, you know, he's like, he's just a, he thinks he's sexy and everything and, you know, all that shit, the, the scene with him and, and Felicity in the bedroom, you know, and he's like, Oh, I'm hot. And, you know, like, look at my sexy body, you know, like, oh, no, <laughs> no, no. Disgustingness. Yeah. He's like covered in grease and chicken. Ooh. He's like, you want some chicken? You know, like, no, no. <laughs> she's just laying there about to throw up. So, yep. <laughs> so, but that would be terrible. I would hate to go through that mess of makeup and stuff. And then carry it around with you for however long you're, you know, I, I can't yeah, imagine it was light, but you, you probably no. have to be able to have some sort of a training to be able to not die while carrying that thing around for however many hours they work. Yeah. Probably another eight or 10. He was in the thing, probably. I would imagine. Another fun one I did not know about at all until doing some research here recently was that Pierce Brosnan wanted to make a cameo in the movie and he wanted Mike Myers to be Austin Powers and be a, play a cameo and the world is not enough. Like they wanted to trade cameos. That would have been amazing. Yeah, I would have loved that because this is what we oh talked about in the last one. I mean, this is a complete and total just noir Bond yeah. ripoff, you know, yeah. just <laughs> to see the two, yeah, full satire, just to see the two swap and just be like comrades in it all, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just, that's some good camaraderie, you know, that we're working on. And I'm like, hell yeah, that would have been great. Pierce Brosnan, I, I wonder what he would have played. Like, I think that the, what they would have done is they still would have been their characters. That's what I think too. You know, like they would have been like helping each other in a mission. Like he would have been like a spy in the military of defense and Austin would have been somehow working for, you know, the, uh, well, I'm spacing what Bonds is right now. It's uh, MI6. MI, I, MI6, yes, yes. I, I was going to think MIA. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> So yeah, that would have been really cool. So my, it makes my brain swirl with like potential. No, like, like damn it. awesome. That Chris would, have been would have been this suave bond in this satire movie. And then you would have had like Austin, kooky, crazy spy in this suave bond movie. That would have been freaking hilarious. I'm so sad that didn't actually happen. Yeah. Though. And it was all because of scheduling conflicts. Ah. They just couldn't line their scheduling up. So it wasn't like anything to do with money or studios or anything like that. It was just like, dang it man, we just can't swap our characters or our schedules don't line up for her. That's a bummer. That would have been amazing. Um, okay, so we're going to get ready to do our what if question here. And that question is, what if Colin Quinn was Scott Evil? So if you don't know who Colin Quinn is, he's also a Saturday Night Live veteran. He did the, the news on the Saturday Night Live for a long time. Like I... Yeah. I it wasn't the longest, but I think it was like two, maybe three seasons. And he's been just kind of small characters in other movies. Works a lot with Adam Sandler. Yep. And, you know, um, he was in movie. Like, I know he was like a very small role, but he's a role I remember a lot, honestly, in the Night at the Roxbury movie. So he, he played like a limo driver in that one. Mm-hmm. Bunch of ass grabbing, talking scenes that really make <laughs> his character kind of stand out in that movie. We'll have to do a movie role now. That's a great movie. Oh, yeah, that is a good one. So what if Colin Quinn was Scott Evil? And I mm, Google him no. out there if you're listening, because you'll have to see what he looks like. Um, but I'm curious. I threw a picture up for Heather on the dock, so she knows. I'm sure yeah, she doesn't remember I, him. <laughs> no, I remember him. Oh, you do? Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Good. I mean, Props we've watched you. quite a few SNL movies, like not SNL movies, but 
actors and comedians who have been on SNL, you know, movies. And we used to watch SNL. So, well, he's just not a standout guy. So I didn't figure you'd remember him. But I remember him. Okay. Like I I remember him like from Nitro Roxbury, the Adam Sandler movies, because he was a jerk in one of the Adam Sandler movies. But now I can't remember which one. I think it was Billy Madison. No, it was the first Grown Ups movie that he was a jerk. Oh, the yes, 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 yes. Yeah. 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 Basketball. Yeah. The basketball guy. Oh, yes. That's it. Basketball guy. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) No, I do not think he would have been as good as a Scott Evil. You mean as Seth Green? Yeah. Well, Scott, you know, Scott Evil. Oh, just that character in general. Yeah. Okay. No. Like Seth Green, like because of that teenage angst and being the appropriate age, well, pretty close. I'm, I mean, I know he's not a teenager in the movies, but I don't think that Colin Quinn would have been able to pull that off as Dr. Evil's son. Like, I just don't think it would have worked. That's just me. Yeah. And I'm trying to look at the, okay. So right now, Colin Quinn is 62 years old. So Seth Green He's probably is, in his 40s. Seth Green is 48. Yeah. So looking at the two, I mean, that's a 14 year difference, right? Yeah. So uh, I guess based off of this movie, it would have made more sense because the whole, the whole thing that really was, was that Frau was pregnant by Dr. Evil and Scott is her kid, right? That was kind of one of the movie plot points. Yeah. Technically Scott being the age that Scott is, in the first movie that doesn't line up with the numbers like if that were a real thing he he would have been born in the eight like early early 80s late 70s right instead of being born in the 60s which is when this movie takes place is 69 because scott was only supposed to be like 18 20 years old yeah but no it would work after a few they say after a few years they got impatient and made him a kid right so that's yeah. what they say. So numbers wise, it would have been like 60, 67 is when they left. So if he yeah. was born in 69 and came back in 90, 99, he would have had to have been 30, right? If we go off numbers only. Yeah, numbers only. If they okay, waited two yeah. years old, he needed to be 30. So does Scott, he, like, does he look 30 years old in the first movie? Because he doesn't no, to me. No. <laughs> I looks was much younger. like, like eight late teens 18 19 maybe early 20s that's kind of the vibe I got I don't think that he was like under age because that was never like made mention so I was just assuming that he was probably early early 20s right does he drink anything in the first movie he doesn't drink anything he just talks about like going to the mall with his buddies and like you know yeah so I would say 1920 so that's what I'm saying like it just that's the gist of it like the numbers don't line up for him to be that character at all the right. way the, yeah. which is yeah. part of the funniness i mean it right. adds to the yeah. comedy yes colin colin quinn would have lined up with the age because he would have been 14 years older so he would have had to have played an older version of set or of scott right right i would so I would then assume. it would have i guess but i agree with you like because okay. in my head like i love the fact that it doesn't line up and yeah. they didn't, they don't give two shits about no when who was born how they were born (laughs) because you know they made him a test tube baby and then in the second movie they say no it was actually frau and dr evil got together so you know that's the deal now yeah and they just take completely the first part of the movie the first movie and 
forget about the test tube baby thing. They're like, nope, not a big deal. Nope, not a big deal. And they even, baby. they even joke about time travel in this movie, which I absolutely love because I love time traveling movies. If you've listened to enough of the movie reel or uh, <laughs> the Loud Thumbs podcast with our gaming stuff, I, time traveling is huge for me. So if there's games or movies that have time travel in them, I want to watch them. And Back to the Future is my all-time favorite movie trilogy, hands down. It will never change. And to poke fun at that in a in a very a fourth wall breaking situation is so good. And I think that's the best way to tackle it. Like they did it in the new, well, not new anymore, but they did it in Endgame as well. You know, like you tell me Back to the Future is a bunch of shit now. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> they technically do break, uh, you know, a, a fourth wall in a way because they're talking about a movie that probably doesn't exist in like the marvel universe but exists for all of us that kind of thing um but they do that in this movie too because they're trying to figure out how how can austin go back in time and visit himself in the past if he'd been frozen in the 60s how would he have thought out to be able to go back and visit himself and then they stop and it's like he's like oh no i've gone (laughs) cross-eyed and then basil looks right at the camera and he's like austin or i think he looks right at austin he's like he's like austin i would just say don't worry about it and enjoy yourself. And then he looks right at the camera. He's like, and you do the same. And then just talking to the crowd. And then Austin looks over at the camera and tells the crowd, yes. And then like, they just move on. Like that we're not talking about it anymore. Like this is for fun. (laughs) And I I absolutely think that's the best way to tackle it when you're doing just this craziness and you don't want to have to explain it because it would take too many theories and you know, everything to figure out how to time traveling would work in real life and all this (laughs) other garbage. So that based off Colin Quinn's age differences and Seth Green and everything, um, it would have fit, but I think it would have yeah. took some of the humor away. Like, yeah. I, so I, I, what if he played it, it, w- it wouldn't have been as good, like, period. I, I, I think Colin Quinn's great and I've never disliked him in anything he's done. Um, I don't think he's like that character though. I think he would have no. been more of a, he always comes across as like very crabby you know, but not in like a teenage angst kind of way, kind of in like an annoyed dad kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just not the right character he, for... He would have maybe done a good number two. Yeah, or Mustafa. He or could have been either one of those. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I could see him playing that off, being like annoyed with Dr. Evil as Mustafa because he won't listen yeah. to him and that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think he definitely could play a character in an Austin Powers movie, no doubt, no doubt oh, at yeah. all. But I think Seth Green would have was the right choice and i feel like they scott scott as a character would not have been the right choice for colin quinn at all no so yeah easy what if on that one i think it would just not have been the same at all no nope. and i don't think we would have seen i don't think we would have seen what we'll talk about in the third movie eventually uh, when we bring that one next uh because there's more scott going on oh, in the yeah. third one again so i mean it's <laughs> it, it's just a character that continued to grow which was just absolutely fantastic and I'm super, super looking forward to watching the third one and talking about it as well. So final thoughts on Awesome Powers, Spy Shagney. Go. Awesome movie. Hilarious. You will not be disappointed. Go watch it. Yeah. If you've seen the first one, you enjoyed the first one, watch the second one clearly. Sit down and you're going you're gonna to laugh more at this one. If you don't, I'm going to be really surprised. <laughs> And you're going to leave with so many more new like quotes and, you know, moments to poke fun at friends and you're going to learn who mini me is and fat bastard is great too. So yes, lots more comedy, great movie. 
definitely gets a loud thumbs up from the movie reel from me yep. no doubt from me as well two thumbs up that's a watch that's a must watch go do it yep uh last uh, but not least before we get out of here uh what have you been watching um love is blind <laughs> we did watch that right i mean that is about i guess all when we do these together lately. we need to say what have we been watching right because yeah, we, we live watching? in the same house we watch the we same pretty stuff. much watch the same stuff <laughs> at the same times um yeah we watched love is blind the second season on netflix that's again our one trash reality garbage, tv yeah. trash vice that we tend to watch we finished it it's um, over now we did so. it's over now the reunion we'll episode yeah we've been now watching the, the ozarks the ultimatum that's another one that is oh yeah we saw probably that. watch we'll check it out and see what it's like yeah search that one if you guys want to see um what it's about it's essentially let's destroy everyone's relationships that yeah, have started <laughs> it's like what it's just like a train wreck you can't look away from so yeah. you might as well just lean into the curve and watch it I can sum it up in one sentence like we did earlier. It is, um, if you're not going to marry me, then I'm going to date somebody else. So you're either going to let me yeah. date somebody else or you're going to marry me. The ultimatum. <laughs> that is the synopsis. <laughs> I just wrote the synopsis for Netflix right there. You did. There you go. <laughs> we need to send that to Netflix and be like, hey. <laughs> That's right. Good luck destroying marriages. We've been watching the Ozarks. Yes. That is a fantastic show. Yes fantastic almost caught up like we have like yeah, two episodes almost. to go and yeah. i think we binged four seasons in like three weeks or something so yeah it's been pretty fast but that one's a quick um a quick way if if you guys have seen or know what breaking bad is it is basically netflix version of breaking bad but it's about money laundering instead of meth yeah yeah uh, drugs get involved in things too obviously you know when you're money laundering you're obviously gonna get drugs involved i think uh, i don't I know don't i don't know. launder money so <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> we do not no um i don't know why but for me the ozarks makes me more panic like i feel it in my chest like oh my gosh what's gonna happen like and i never really got that like feeling with breaking bad but i think that was more like Maybe it's just because as a, a mom and a wife with a family, like Breaking Bad focused more kind of solely on Walter White, where the Ozarks is their entire family, like the husband, the wife, the two kids. And it's like, what the heck? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I agree with that. I do get those same moments. Um, I think it's for me, though, is because Ozarks or Ozark seems way more grounded like they give you every single detail of what's going on and like yeah. all of it 100 of it is believable yeah there were some things about breaking bad that didn't seem completely believable like it seemed like a little bit of a stretch you know like there's no way that gangster is going to let this white guy walk in his place and talk to him like oh, that yeah, that kind of stuff yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. they're just going to blow his head off but in this one you know why that you know everybody's alive why everybody's doing this right. why that person dies and like you know all of that is legit like because there's always an underlying back story or reason and you're wondering what it is the whole time you're watching and you never really are fully uh, fully told or fully you you're, think you're, you know and then something exactly. happens and you're like now i don't know what's going on go exactly. watch ozark go watch, watch ozark watch ozark it is excellent yeah. 
four and a partial well there's like seven episodes in season four and then there's 10 in every other season and they're doing one more season which is season i think they're calling it four part two yes. and then it's over so they've same which thing with breaking Bad. May. may yeah coming up not too far from now actually no. Okay, well, we're going to get out of here for this episode. Uh, super quick like. If you guys would like to support the show, uh, head over there to the patreon.com and help us out. Uh, anything you guys have to toss our way would be great. If you don't, not a big deal. We do have Apple podcast reviews we would love to get from you guys and star ratings on Spotify. So that helps our grow, you know, show grow and it helps us, you know, just get out there to more people and make us more visible. So we would love that just to, just to grow the loud crowd. And speaking of the loud crowd, head over to loudthumbs.com. You can email us. Uh, you can follow, join, watch, listen, all of it right there on the website. And we would love to, for you guys to do that as well and just uh, help join the community and grow the community with us. That's what we're doing this for. We talk movies and video games all day long. It would not, it does not get old for us. So <laughs> nope, <laughs> wouldn't do a podcast if it got old for us. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you again to my lovely wife, Heather, for being on the show. Thanks, babe. Yep, you're welcome. And we will be back with the third one uh, on the next episode. So keep watching for that. And uh, until the next time, stay loud.